All right. You ready for the word? Yeah. All right. Turn to First or Second Corinthians chapter three. A couple weeks, I'll be sharing the vision that the Lord has given for us for our new year for the church. And as soon as I get it, I'll give it to you. No, <laughs> no. The Lord's been downloading that to me. I have that, and so I got to release that to our staff and to our leadership team before we release it to the entire church. So I'll be in a few weeks. So something to look forward to. All right, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, we're in verse 1 through verse 6. <clears throat> Let's read. Do we begin again to commend ourselves, or do we need, as some others, epistles of commendation to you, or letters of commendation from you? You are our epistle written in our hearts, known and read of all men. Clearly you are an epistle of Christ, ministered by us, written not with ink, but by the Spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on the tablets of flesh, that is, of the heart. And we have such trust through Christ towards God. Not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think anything, being from ourselves, but our sufficiency is from God, who has made us sufficient ministers of the new covenant, not of the letter, but of the spirit, for the letter kills, but the spirit gives life. Let's pray over our spiritual meal. Father, we thank you so much for the word of God, and it's, it is blessed already, and we're just going to receive it by faith and be nourished by it today. Holy Spirit, we call upon you as the divine teacher, that you would anoint the eyes, ears, and heart of each person listening and open them by the gift of your grace and cause them to see, hear, and understand what you're saying. Father, I thank you for breaking this apart and ministering it so that people walk away hearing directly from you and getting right what they need. Only you can do this miracle and believe it's happening right now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, let's go to verse 1 and start unpacking this. <clears throat> Sorry. So do we begin again to commend ourselves, or do we need, as others, epistles of commendation to you or letters of commendation from you? And so Paul says, brings out this word commend. Look at the word commend. It really, in the Greek, it means an introduction. And so he's saying, again, do we need a re, a, to be reintroduced to one another? And it seems like we do because you act like you don't know who I am. And so uh, I had been among you. I preached the gospel to you. I lived that gospel. It was a simple gospel laid it out to you. But when I left, all of a sudden, you guys have turned against me. I think there was a lot of problems in the church. Paul wrote 1 Corinthians to correct a lot of problems in the church. And that went through anything from division to wrong doctrine, immorality. But God, God through Paul dealt with a lot of stuff in that church. And so many repented, many got corrected, but others didn't like that correction and started coming against Paul. We're going to find out later that other people, false teachers, entered into the church. They started listening to the wrong voices and started coming against Paul. And Paul basically saying is, do we need to have a reintroduction? Do you need me to reinduce because you act like you don't know me or my heart or my ministry? And so it was very plain when I first was with you. And again, do we begin again to commend ourselves or introduce ourselves? Or do we need, as some others, epistles of commendation uh, to you or from you? What's epistles of commendation? Those are just letters of recommendation. Back in the ancient world, uh, you would think just reading the Bible that people today, back then were much more hospitable where you just open up your home to complete strangers and just come on in and live with me. That wasn't the case. Actually, they had a thing called letters of recommendation that if you wanted to travel somewhere, you'd have someone write that knew that person you wanted to go to would write out a letter of recommendation, say, I know this, you know me. Well, I know this person. And so you can trust this person. And so that was quite common in the early days. 
And so it wasn't they just opened their doors to anybody or any church just received anybody, but they had letters of recommendation. Matter of fact, let me show you that, of an example of that in the Bible. And so look in um, Acts 18, look at verse 27. This is Apollos. He's coming from Ephesus and going to Corinth, and he's going to get a letter of recommendation. Acts 18, look at verse 27. It says, And when Apollos desired to cross to Achaia, the brethren wrote, exhorting the disciples to receive him. And when he arrived, he greatly helped those who believed through grace. And so he had them write letters of recommendation for him when he went from Ephesus to Corinth. And so, uh, so Paul's basically saying, do I need a letter of recommendation? Matter of fact, you should be re recommending me, and I shouldn't have to be asking you to uh, have recommendation. And so let's talk about this. It says, do we need as some others? Say others. others. Who are these others that Paul's going to bring out? Well, these are false teachers. False teachers have followed Paul. Matter of fact, Paul had this happen in his ministry. When Paul would go to a city, he would preach the gospel, the pure gospel. But then he would leave and then a group of teachers would come along after him. And they were, they were lazy ministers. They didn't want to establish their own works. So they just kept following Paul around because Paul did such a great job just plowing the ground and sowing great seed and having a beautiful farm. And then they'd just come right on after his work and they would start sowing into that field. But it was wrong seed. And so these false teachers just followed Paul around. They were called the Judaizers. And who are the Judaizers? They were legalists from Jerusalem and from Israel. And they would travel around, and so they just had a message of legalism. And so Paul would preach grace, and then Paul would leave. And they would come in and say, yeah, Paul was great. Paul just got you into the kingdom. He got saved by grace, and that's fine. But, but to grow and really grow and be mature, and I'll say actually be blessed by God, you have to actually, there's steps to that. And so it's not so simple as Paul was bringing out. He, he kept it back. He would just get into the simple stuff. We're more advanced. We're true apostles of Christ. And so we're gonna, there's some things you're going to have, some rules you need to keep, steps you need to attain to. And if you work real hard, then God will bless you, and he'll make you real spiritual, really put you on the A-list in God's kingdom. And that's really what religion's all about. It just adds a bunch of legalism and commandments. And so Paul brings this out in Second Corinthians, in the letter, brings out the fact that, that false teachers had been there, Look in 2 Corinthians 11, look at verse 4. Paul says, For he who comes preaching another Jesus whom we have not preached, for if you receive a different spirit which you have not received, a different gospel which you had not accepted, you put up with it. So you know what? Someone came and presented a gospel, but it's not what I gave you, and preached another spirit, but you didn't get it from my ministry, and you put up with it. You don't put up with my ministry now, but you're putting up with them. Look in... Uh, 2 Corinthians eleven thirteen, For these are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves in the apostles of Christ. They came preaching and said, we're apostles. We're apostles sent from God. And Paul, Paul, we don't know who he is. And when Paul came to you, did he ask you to take care of him? Well, if he was a true apostle, then he would have said, you know what, I'm worthy for you to take care of me and support me and give to me. Did Paul do that? No, he never did that. Well, who is he? Must not be anybody of a big importance. But we're big shots. You, you need to take care of us. And we're expecting weekly offerings to us personally. And so this is what they were saying to him. Look in verse 19, 2 Corinthians eleven nineteen, 19. For you put up with fools gladly, 
since you yourselves are wise. For you put up with it if one brings you into bondage. That's legalism. If one devours you, that means taking money from you personally and putting it in their pocket. If, if one devours you, if one takes from you, if one exalts himself, if one strikes you on the face, to our shame, I say we were too weak for that. But in whatever anyone is bold, I speak foolishly, I am bold also. Uh, are they Hebrews? They said, well, we're Hebrews. Well, so am I. They said, they're Israelites. Well, so am I. They say, they're the seed of Abraham. Well, so am I. And are they the ministers of Christ, which they said they were? I speak as a fool. I'm more. In labors more abundant, in stripes above measure, in prisons more frequently, and deaths more often. And so they had come in and sowed contrary to Paul. And so Paul's having to deal now with this. I have to, you know, you need to be careful about people that want to come in and sow discord in your life. And, and try to speak against other ministers and other people. You know what? Are you open for that? If you're open for that, then the enemy will send those people to you. You need to make sure, just put lids on your trash can. Say, these are not trash cans for you to throw. Put lids on that, and I'm not going to listen to that. Speaking about Andrew and different ministers and stuff like that, and try to sow stuff that on Facebook or anything else. And so he gives, he says, do we need letters of commendation to you or letters from you? Instead of doing that, we need you, you should be proclaiming how good we've been to you and how powerful our ministry was among you, not questioning our reputation. And so let's talk about letters of recommendation. A solid reputation can stand thorough checking of past history and track record. Raise your hand if you've ever hired anybody. Well, you know, it's very important to check up on their history before you do that. And if you ever ask somebody, can you give me recommendations? And I want to talk to people that's known you and worked with you. If they get upset about that, that's a red flag. Well, trust me, brother. Well, I'm asking you because I don't. Because trust is earned. And anybody that demands that you trust them, that's a red flag. And so if there's nothing to hide, they'll be glad. Yeah, I'll be glad for you to talk to that person that... And so it's very important, though, you understand that what you're doing today is your reference for tomorrow. How you're doing in your job right now, what you're doing in the ministry right now, this is a reference for the future. And so what you're doing now matters. And so Paul brings that out. Look in verse 2. He says, actually, if you want a letter, of if I need a letter of recommendation, you're it. He says, you are our epistle. You are our letter written in our hearts, known and read of all men. And so some manuscripts say, you are our epistle written in your hearts. I mean, your changed lives are my recommendation. Just point to you. That's the recommendation for my ministry and the powerful of it. But he says, you know what? That, that, that letter of recommendation is also in our hearts because we love you and uh, our heart is towards you. And so as you are our letter written in our hearts, read and known by how many men? All. By all men. This brings out the fact that our hearts can be written upon. Look that up again. Look at the verse. It says, you are our letter written in our hearts. Our hearts can be written on and are written on. Tell someone your heart is being written on. But what's being written? And whatever's been written on your heart is what we're hearing, what we've uh, repeatedly received through our ears, through our eyes. Get written on our hearts. And what gets on our heart is able, people can read it. Right. People can see it. What's in your heart comes out your mouth. It comes out your actions. 
and you can see somebody. It doesn't matter what they're saying, just look at their actions and, and hear the words that come out of their mouth, and you can see what's been written in their heart. And so let me say something as Christians. Raise your hand if you're a born-again Christian. Well, that's saying the same thing twice. If you're a Christian, you're born again. <laughs> but you're born again. And since you're born again, do you know as, as a Christian that you are the only Bible many people will ever read? Or are reading? And what the Word of God that's been written on your heart, you're living that out for people to see it. And so it says, you are our epistle written in our hearts, known and read by all men. And so again, your heart can be written upon. And we're going to we're going to talk about that here in a little bit more and, and see the power of that. But let's go to verse 3. Clearly, say clearly. Clearly you are an epistle of Christ. Clearly you are a letter of Christ ministered by us, written not with ink, but by the Spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but the tablets of flesh, that is, of the heart. Say clearly again. Clearly. You are to be a clear letter of Jesus. You know, a lot of Christians are not a clear letter of Jesus. They're a fuzzy riddle. Or there's so many smudges in there, it's hard to read it. Or there's missing lines, and you're trying to put it all together. But we're to be clear epistles of Christ. And so this brings out, first of all, verse 2 says, you're my epistle. Here it says, you're the Lord's epistle. Well, which one? Both. Both. Christian ministry is a co-laboring together of God and the ministry, a, a natural ministry. You as a minister, you are co-laboring with God in whatever ministry you're in. It's not just God apart from you, and it's not, it shouldn't be you apart from him. The last thing you want to do is minister by yourself. But co-labor, Jesus said, take my yoke upon you. A yoke's for work. And so you, whenever you're called to do, say, Jesus, I'm taking your yoke. And so when I take your yoke, you make my work easy and make it light. And so again, we're to take his yoke and says, notice it says, clearly you are an epistle of Christ ministered by us. Say, letter of Jesus, ministered by me. See, the letter of Jesus, but ministered by me. So there's a co-laboring together. And that just brings out the fact that if you're going to be a minister, especially of the word of God, you need to do it with the Lord. And so uh, raise your hand if you're called to minister, teach, or preach the Word of God. Well, I'm going to help you out today. Is One of the keys to powerful supernatural teaching ministry is that you're not the teacher. Well, I thought I was. Well, you are, but you're not. Look at 1 John chapter 2. Look at verse 27. This verse puzzled my puzzler for years, as Dr. Seuss would say. Can we pop up 1 John 2? Thank you. But the anointing, say anointing, which you have received from him abides in you, and you do not need that anyone teach you. Well, I'm going home. I've got other stuff I could be doing. But as the same anointing teaches you concerning all things, and is true and is not a lie, and just as it has taught you. Now go to Ephesians 4.11. Ephesians 4.11. And Jesus himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, and... Wait a minute, I'm having a little confusion, Jesus. 
You're saying, I don't, you know, the, the saints don't need anyone to teach them, a, a human being to teach them, but you put teachers in the body of Christ. What's going on with that? Well, I asked the Lord one day. I said, Lord, I don't understand. He says, well, Lord, he says, son, the only one that truly does the spiritual work of teaching is the Holy Spirit. He does the spiritual work, but he needs a human with authority on earth to be his mouthpiece. Tell someone you're a big mouthpiece. God's been wanting to use that big mouth for years. And now he just wants it redeemed. Hallelujah. He can use it. You need to be a mouthpiece anointed by God to be a mouthpiece that he can speak through, but the Holy Spirit does the teaching. I want you to see a powerful verse that shows us that. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, look at verse 13. 1 Corinthians 2, look at verse 13. This is the co-laboring ministry with God in the New Covenant. 1 Corinthians 2, look at verse 13. It says, These things we also speak, say we speak, not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches. Say Holy Spirit teaches. Comparing spiritual things with spiritual. Say, we speak, the Holy Spirit teaches. We speak, the Holy Spirit teaches. We speak, the Holy Spirit teaches. So which one is it? It's a co-laboring. There's a natural teacher and a spiritual teacher. That's why every time I get up here, I'm inviting the Holy Spirit to do the spiritual work of teaching. And when he does that, he's able to do a lot more than what you are. He is able to speak to you. And there's been times, guys, when I've invited the Holy Spirit to teach, and so I'm at the door shaking hands on the way back, and people will say, you know that, you know that verse and quote the verse that you said? That really blessed me, and I'd shake my head and smile and walk away. I said, I never gave that. I never said that verse. <laughs> they heard the Holy Spirit. They'll say, you know, when you said this, that really blessed me, and I shake my head, smile, and thank you, and walk on and say, I never said it. That's very humbling for me. Well, praise God, but that's the way it should be. How many times they walk by and they say, you know what, you were speaking just to me. It was like I was the only one. You just had my mail and said, well, that's the Holy Spirit. And so let me just make a statement that the Holy Spirit is the divine helper. In fact, John says, another, Jesus said, another helper I'm going to send to you. And so the helper, the Holy Spirit is to help us. Tell someone you need help. Now, now tell someone else, you really need help. She's saying that. Joanne's saying that to me. <coughs> we need help. That, that word help, I'll send another helper. The Greek word paraclete. Not parakeet. No other thing. Paraclete. Paraclete means literally, in the Greek, compound word, one called upon to assist. What does that bring? The Holy Spirit needs to be called upon. He's a gentleman. He will not come and get into your business without you inviting him. I'm going to make a statement. It's going to suck the air out of the room. <laughs> the Holy Spirit helps some Christians a whole lot more than others. Well, I thought, no, you know, there's no respecter of persons. Well, he's not. But there's some Christians that depend and call upon the help of the Holy Spirit much more than other Christians and receive help a lot more. And so tell, them, tell someone he's not talking to you. You're not prideful. Hallelujah. 
And so here it's a co-laboring together, and Paul brings this out. And in ministry, you need to understand that if you want to have a successful ministry, because it's not really all you. You're involved. So when they walk by and they say, thank you, oh, it, what, I wasn't even there. It's not me. Well, say thank you, smile, hand the rose to Jesus. Because he's the one that really did the work. And so here, let's go back into this, this verse here. It says, clearly you're an epistle of Christ ministered by us, written not with ink, but by the spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on the tablets of flesh that is of the heart. And so God didn't, in the Old Testament, he wrote on tablets of stone. The Ten Commandments was on two tablets of stone. But in the New Covenant, God writes upon tablets of the heart. And when you got saved, he, he put some things in your heart, but he wants to do some active writing in your heart. And so I want you to bring this out, that your heart can be written upon, is being written upon, and it's so important what is being written upon. And so the word of God needs to be written in your heart. Let's see that in Hebrews chapter 10. Look at verse 16. Hebrews 10, look at verse 16. Your heart is written upon. Hebrews 10, 16 says, This is the covenant, that's the new covenant, that I will make with them, that's believers, after those days, says the Lord. I will put my laws into their hearts, and in their minds I will write them. There's a dual work here, a twofold work here. He puts his laws in our hearts. That's our born-again spirit when we got saved. He puts divinely by his grace. He does it. it did, we didn't have any help. He didn't, we didn't help him in this. By divinely, when you got born again, he divinely installed into your hard drive of your born-again spirit laws, his laws. But I have a question this morning. What laws did he put in your heart? Did he put the 613 Mosaic laws in your heart? No, because you would hate bacon. As a redeemed Gentile, hallelujah. I don't hate bacon. I love pepperoni on my pizza, hallelujah. So he didn't say thou should not eat pork. Or if he did that, you would feel three times a year you would have a homing beacon sending you to Jerusalem for the feasts. And so that's not the laws he put. He put the laws of grace in your heart. There are three of them in the New Testament. There's the law of faith. Law of faith. Romans 3, 27, I believe. Then the law of love. Hebrew, uh, Rome, John 13, 34. And I believe uh, James 2, 7. And then the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. Romans 8, 2. And so he put these laws, and these are the laws that work all the time. The law, he put faith in your spirit. You have the faith of the Lord Jesus Christ in your spirit. It's faith activated. You got to know about it and operate in it. That's faith. You have faith. You know you have the love of God in your spirit. You're filled with the love of God. It says in Romans 5, 5, that when you got saved, the Holy Spirit shed abroad the love of God in your spirit, in your heart. And so you're full of the love of God. Tell someone you're full of it. But you've got to activate it. You've got to know about it, and then you've got to activate it. You've got to activate it. Step up. Walk out on that. And then you're filled with the spirit of life in Christ Jesus, the, the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. His life was on the inside. And that life on the inside will guide you, lead you in all the affairs of life. Now, he put that in there, and you didn't have to help. But guess what? There's something else he's doing, is he's writing those laws in your mind. That's your soul. 
Anything that has to do with your born-again spirit, he did it by grace. It was done one time by him, but what he's doing in your soul, you must cooperate with him. And he's writing in your soul that he needs to write with some things. So, you know, one thing about God is he's a ready writer. He is ready to write his lines of grace and his lines of love. A love letter he wants to write on your, in your mind and heart. He wants to write that, but you got to cooperate because guess what? He's a ready writer, but he needs a pen. He's lacking a pen. He has to borrow a pen, and guess who's going to get the pen from? You. Tell someone you got the pen. Well, pastor, prove that. I don't know where that is in Scripture. Well, I'm glad you asked. Look in Psalms 45. Look at verse 1. My Bible has a little subscript before the verse. So you might not have it up here. Let me read the subscript that was before that, or prescript or whatever it was. Psalms 45, verse 1 says, and my Bible says, to the chief musician. That's Jeremy, but he's gone. Praise God. <laughs> to the chief musician set to the lilies. A contemplation of the sons of Korah, a song of love. Say a song of love. God wants to put his his lines, his lyrics of love in your heart and mind. Now, let's go through the verse. My heart is overflowing with a good theme. God has a good theme. He wants to write in your heart and mind. He wants to, he wants to write it on your mind, in your mind. My heart is overflowing with a good theme. I recite my composition concerning the king. My tongue, say my tongue, my tongue. is the pen. My tongue is the pen of a ready writer. God is the ready writer, but he needs a pen. He's lacking a pen. You have the pen. And so will you give him your pen? See, you've been using your pen, but have you been using it for letting God use it to write his word? Have you been speaking what he said? Are we speaking what the world says? And so whatever we're hearing from the world is getting written in our heart. But my, pun, my tongue is the pen of a ready writer. Our tongue is the instrument that does the writing, and the Lord actually uses it. The Lord writes on our heart by the use of our tongue, speaking what he said over us, first person, present tense. Let me say this to you. Your life will follow the script that has been written on your heart. Let me say this. Your life is following the script that's been written on your heart. Growing up, we had people writing on our heart, things we've repeated over ourselves. And a lot of times it's been negative. But the script that's been written on our hearts, we live out from the script written in our hearts. And so I want you to repeat, my life, my life is, following is following God's script, God's script that, he's that he's writing in my heart. Amen. It's a good theme. It's a blessed theme. It's a prosperous theme. It's a healthy theme. Say, I'm, I'm healthy, wealthy, wise, and good looking in Jesus. Don't forget Jesus. He makes you look nice. Verse 4, and we have such trust through Christ towards you and towards God. 
And so he basically <clears throat> said, I'm speaking by faith that this is working in your life. Sometimes you just got to speak faith over some people. You can't go by what you see and what you hear. You just got to speak faith, especially children. Speak the word and believe that word is actually that script. They're going to live that script out. Looks like they're maybe taking a, a sea law for the moment. But no, they're going to pick up and they're going to walk out that script you've been putting in their heart. And we have such trust through Christ towards God for you. Verse 5. Not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think anything as being from ourselves, but our sufficiency is from God. Here's a two-part thing that you have to understand is you're not sufficient in yourself. But your sufficiency comes from God. And we're in one ditch or the other. Let me say, if there's not a ditch on, on either side of your, where you're standing, you're in the ditch. Think on these things. And so the ditch in the ministry people get into is like, you know what, I'm just not qualified. I'm just not sufficient. I don't know enough. I can't speak enough. I'm not good enough. I don't know this stuff. And I'm not sufficient. But on the other side is, is, is that you're, you're, you're sufficient in the Lord. Or, you, or so, so either you feel like I'm not sufficient in there or you don't tap into the sufficiency that comes from God. That's the other ditch. But the truth is you're not sufficient in yourself, but you are in Jesus Christ. And so we are sufficient in ourselves. Why would Paul bring this out in verse 5? Not that we're sufficient of ourselves to think anything from being from ourselves, but our sufficiency is from God. Because as a minister, especially the ones that are going to be preaching, teaching the Word of God to other people, that's a huge responsibility. Because what you're saying is getting written in people's hearts. Whether it's good or wrong, people's script, they're going to live out from the script that you've been ministering in people's hearts. And that's a huge responsibility. You're like, I am not sufficient for this. But move on past the Moses complex Amen. and the Gideon complex and say, but I am sufficient in God. Amen. Because he gives you a grace and an anointing to flow in your go. What he's called you to do. Let me say this. With every calling of God, I don't care if it's to preach, teach, or anything else you're called to do. Every one of you have a calling that with that calling comes a grace and an anointing to step into it. There's a divine ability to walk into that. And so it says we are not sufficient of ourselves. Look at the word sufficient. The Greek word for this word sufficient is heko, H-E-K-O, and it means to arrive, to arrive. Well, our, our uh, chief music leaders here. <laughs> Praise God. Heko means to arrive, which means, says, you know what, in ourselves we have not arrived. Ask somebody next to you, have you arrived? <laughs> well, in my spirit, well, yeah, we know in your spirit you've been perfected, but in your soul you haven't arrived. As a minister, you have not arrived. And so you should, feel in, you should feel that lack of sufficiency. That's a good thing to feel is I'm not, in myself, I'm just not sufficient. That's okay. But don't stop there. Say, you know what? In God, I am. In God, he makes it up. And so not that we're sufficient ourselves and think anything as being from ourselves, but our sufficiency is from God. And so, again, look at 1 Peter chapter 4. Look at verse 10. This is important verses for you if you're called a minister. 1 Peter 4, look at verse 10. As each one of us have received a gift. Tell someone you're gifted. Okay. As each one has received a gift, minister it to one another as good stewards of what? The grace of God. 
minister in God's grace. Grace is his unmerited favor, but it's also his divine ability, his power, his strength. Look at verse 11. If anyone speaks, let him speak as from himself. Oh, I'm sorry. Clueless translation. If anyone speaks, let him speak as the oracles of God. You're the mouthpiece. Tell someone God can use your mouth. If anyone speaks, let him speak as the mouthpiece. That's what oracles mean, the mouthpiece of God. If anyone ministers, let him do it by their own strength. Oh, I'm sorry. Clueless translation. If anyone ministers, let him do it with the ability which God supplies. But you're going to have to tap into it. Acknowledge it. Ask for it. Lean into it. And it's voice and, and, and action activated. Well, when I feel sufficient, that's when I'll get up and minister. Well, you sit there and put grooves in the seat because it's going to be a while before you get up. Step in to the grace of God. I don't care what that call is. Today's God's asking you to lean into his grace and yoke up with Jesus and let him lead out and you follow and he'll be there. And so it says, by the ability which God supplies. Look at verse 6. Who also made us sufficient as ministers of the new covenant, not of the letter, but of the spirit. For the letter kills, but the spirit gives life. Who made Paul sufficient to be a minister? Was it him, himself? God. Who will make you sufficient? You? God. Well, Karis Bible College will make me sufficient. Really? No. God can use Karis Bible College, but he doesn't have to have Karis Bible College. Well, I don't know a whole lot. Well, the, what you do know, you lean in and trust God with it, and he'll make it powerful. Ephesians 3.7. Ephesians 3.7. Paul says, of which I became a minister according to the gift of the grace of God which was given to me by the effective working of his power. When you step out in his grace, there will be an effective working of his power through you. Look at 1 Timothy 1.12. 1 Timothy 1.12. I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who enabled me. Say enabled me. Because he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. And so he says, I have been made sufficient by God to be a minister of the new covenant. Say new covenant. new covenant. Let me tell you something. The new covenant is not the old covenant. Okay, I'm just trying to clear that up. Okay. The new covenant is not the old covenant. What's the old covenant? The old covenant was a covenant between God and Israel. And it was based on God doing his part if they did their part. Their part was obeying all 613 commandments. They didn't get out of the gate and they fell on their face over the first one. Thou shalt not make a graven image. So they face-planted over the first commandment and broke it. That's why that animal sacrifices, tell you what. And so that's the old covenant. You're not that kind of minister. That's bad news. You're a covenant of the new covenant, which is good news. And what's the covenant of the new covenant? Let me ask you a question. Raise your hand if God made a covenant, when, when, you, when you accepted Jesus, that God made a covenant with you and Jesus, and you and him, you and him have a covenant now. I shouldn't have asked you to do that. 
I'm so sorry. Don't you hate when ministers do that? You know, when you got saved, God didn't make a covenant with you. You know, the new covenant is a covenant made between God and Jesus. Jesus stands in for humanity. God's standard never did change. His standard is perfection, perfection for humanity. That, was, that standard was Old Testament and standard of, based on the new covenant. It's perfection of humanity. But tell someone you, didn't, you, you just didn't do it. You didn't cut it. It wasn't you. you. You weren't the one. And so Jesus said, I'll become a man as their representative and live as for them as them as a human being. And he lived under the law, 613 commandments, and kept all of it for 33 years and thought, word, and deed for 33 years. Jesus didn't become your representative at the cross. He became your representative at the cradle. And he lived for 33 years, fulfilling the law, achieving as a man legal righteousness. That when you accept him, that legal righteousness becomes your, that perfect righteousness, perfect obedience is now credited to you. And so now you can get in on all the blessings because of what Jesus deserved. That's why I pray in the name of Jesus. Praying in the name of someone is standing on their merits, their character, their standing, what they deserve. That's why we're told to pray in the name of Jesus. I'm going to open my heart. I'm going to close it because I don't know all of you guys. One time, I decided to pray in the name of Rick to see what would happen. And the Lord dissed me. He dissed me. Crickets. Like I wasn't even near me. That's why we pray in the name of Jesus. We pray on perfect obedience perfect righteousness. We don't stand and we pray in our name. And so, but we're sufficient ministers of that new covenant, not of the letter, but of the spirit for the letter kills, but the spirit gives life. And so tonight, what today, or what, let's talk about really what we've talked about today and act on it. What are we allowing, what are you allowing to be written on your heart? Because whatever you're hearing and hearing and hearing, it's writing something on your mind. It's writing in your heart. What are you allowing to be written on your heart? Is it a message of life and hope? Or is it a message of death and despair and fear and worry and anxiety? It's being written today. What source are you allowing to use your pen even? And what have you been saying? What are we writing on our heart with the pen of our tongue? Because your, what your faith comes by hearing. and hearing by the, by the Word of God. Do you know that your, your ear, the closest tongue to your ears is your own? And we are to speak and actually write the Word of God. God will write through the, using our pen, our tongue, and speak God's Word. And that's what he's saying today. Are you, will you allow me to write? Are you going to cut off wrong sources that are writing negative lines? Will you cut those off? But will you allow me to use your pen? And today we're going to, so I want you to stand to your feet. We're going to practice that. We are going to speak some, the word of God. Well, uh, pastor, what, that's just confession. Yeah. Because Christianity is called the great confession. 
You got saved that way. You confess Jesus as your Lord. But, but Pastor, that's so old, old uh, wave. That's the faith, word of faith movement. That's, that, that movement's way past gone. We're in the grace movement where I don't got to do nothing. Because that's past. Well, let me help you some. God doesn't bring a wave of truth into the body of Christ for you to enjoy it a little bit and it get, and it get removed by the next one. On. No, as the architect, God builds upon it. So what do we use the faith for? To appropriate the grace. And so the speaking never got taken away. We were to speak the word. Now we're going to speak some, some scriptures from the word of God and we're going to let the Lord use our tongue as a pen to write with. Now confessing the word isn't to get God to do something. It's not uh, like incantations to make stuff happen. No, it's what God's already proclaimed has been done, who you are, and we're just coming in line with it and letting that out by faith. And I want you to repeat after me. Well, I don't know what you're going to say. Well, I would say trust me, but you don't know. But I'm going to say what the Word of God says. All right, repeat after me. I am the body of Christ. My body is the house of God. God lives in me and I belong to him. I've been bought with a price of the blood of Jesus. So I'm glorifying God in my body and my spirit. Satan has no power over me. I have been delivered from the power of darkness and translated into the kingdom of his dear son. Therefore, sin has no power over me. I give no place or opportunity to you, devil. I choose the fear of the Lord. I hate evil pride and arrogance and the evil way. I'm considering Jesus and his presence in me. I love God more than anything this world offers. I have the mind of Christ. I think on things that are true, honest, and just. Pure, lovely, and a good report. If there's any virtue or praise, I think on these things. In righteousness, I am established. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I am far from oppression. I don't fear. I'm far, I'm far from terror. I'm perfected in God's love. I'm perfected in God's love. No weapon, no weapon formed against me shall prosper. Against me shall prosper. And, every and every tongue that rises up against me is condemned, is condemned. And, shown and shown to be wrong. This is my heritage because I'm, I'm a servant of God and my righteousness is of Him. Just like Jesus, Just like Jesus I, love I love righteousness and hate iniquity. God has anointed me with the oil of gladness. This is the victory that causes me to overcome the world. My faith in Jesus and his word. I live by faith and not by sight. 
I overcome the devil by the blood of the Lamb and the word of my testimony. And I do not love my life unto the death. I shall live and not die and declare the works of the Lord in the land of the living. All things are working together for my good. Because I love God and I'm called according to his purpose. Thanks be to God who's given me the victory through Jesus Christ. He always causes me to triumph. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Amen. Now, don't you feel better? You just got an injection of B12 into your soul. Well, Pastor, will you make a tape for me? No, you use your pen. Let the Lord use your pen. Your tongue. Speak these out. I don't normally give books out, but uh, names out, but I would encourage you to buy Charles Capp's book, God's Creative Power. Charles Capp's God's Creative Power. Meditate over these things. Speak God's word, and he'll use your pen to write on your heart and your mind. Close your eyes. You'd say, Pastor, I'm, this really hit me as, as uh, the Lord's a ready writer, but he needs my pen. But I've been using my pen to say other things. And I've been opening myself to other sources that have been writing on my heart. I'm ready to cut those things off. And I'm ready for that ready writer to start using my pen. And I'm going to start allowing him to use my pen, my tongue, to start writing those lines that love, that love letter, that theme. And, and, and guys, I promise you, you'll start living out from the script that's written. It's a good theme. Father, I just thank you, Father. Raise your hand if you say, you know what, Lord, that's me. I'm going to let you use my pen. I'm cutting off sources that I know is not good. It's not writing a good thing. I didn't realize how much it's impacting me. Father, I thank you for our hands raised, and I thank you, Lord. We give our pen to you right away. Write, write, write that good theme. Write the script that we'll live off from this year. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen. Let's worship God together.